You're listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. By God's grace and for His glory, we're striving to be a community of disciples who are growing in trust, growing in love, and growing disciples. We pray you'll be encouraged to deeply love and trust our Savior Jesus Christ through this ministry. We hope you enjoy the sermon. I'm excited to open up God's Word with you this morning. Much of the media thrives on it. Advertisers spend billions to activate it. All of us can be manipulated by it. And some of us can be absolutely paralyzed with it. You've already guessed it. I'm talking about fear. It's not an easy subject because our relationship with fear is complicated to say the very least. Caution and discernment and preparation about things that you can actually change are wise and even faithful. But it's very easy to take that tiny step from wise caution into faith eclipsing fear. And let's just be honest, we live in a day in which it's not hard to find things to be afraid of. Let me just read to you headlines from this morning. Coronavirus may last two years, study warns, and its second wave could be worse. If that's not enough, how about this one? What happens if a vaccine is never developed? And, and just by the way, here's the third one. Asia's two-inch-long murder hornet lands in U.S., threatens bee population. So let me just ask you, what are you afraid of? What is it that keeps you up at night? What are you afraid will happen? Or maybe what are you afraid will never happen? With those things in your mind, I'd like for you to open your Bible to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, and I want us to focus this morning on verses 1 through 5. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir. But one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Let's pray. Father in heaven, this morning we pray with David. That our foes have trampled upon us all day long. 
They are many who fight proudly against me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man or insects or viruses or economic meltdowns do to me? Father, I pray that those words would not merely be words, but they would be the genuine cry of our heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I'd like for you to see three things, four things in this text. First, I want you to see an encouraging command. Secondly, generous guarantees. A resolute reminder. And then finally, a confident clarification. Notice with me first an encouraging command. Look at verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Notice these first words, after these things. The text literally reads, after these words, the word of the Lord came. And it is a clear signal to us that what's happening in chapter 15 is God's response to what happened in Genesis chapter 14. So let's be reminded of what just happened. Abram is just now come back from a remarkable smackdown of a whole alliance of wicked, powerful kings that had ransacked his whole, all of his neighbors and then taken his nephew captive. And on his journey back, two very important things happen. Number one, Abram is blessed by Melchizedek. We see that in chapter 14, verse 19. Blessed be the God of Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And number two, he is propositioned by the king of Solomon, the king of Sodom in verse 21. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me and take the goods, all the spoils of war, to yourself. To the first, Abram responds humbly and gratefully. He he offered, he paid the tithe, a tenth of all the spoil of war to Melchizedek. But to the king of Sodom, Abram was defiant. Look at verse 22. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong, or anything that is yours, for fear that you would say, I have made Abram rich. To Abram, the honor of God was more precious than money. To Abram, the reputation of his God was more valuable than riches. To Abram, the glory of God was more important than all the treasure of the king of Sodom. It seems clear that both of these responses from Abram please the Lord. And in Genesis 15.1, God gave Abram something better than all the riches of the land. God gave him an encouraging command. Look at it in verse 1. Do not fear, Abram. There's just four words. 
But I, I hope that these four words will change your life. This command was a gift. And I want you to notice that this command comes both from a heart of strength and tenderness. In this, in this one command, we have proof positive that much of the ways we think about God are wrong. If we're honest, some of you believe, if not on paper, but in, in real life, that God is distant and detached, unconcerned, cold. Maybe you've been brought to a place where you can't deny that He's real. But, but you believe that he, he must be far away. Others of you are tempted, again, in your mind, to imagine God as being very much present, but His presence doesn't give you much comfort because you imagine Him to be harsh, overly demanding, micromanaging, seemingly determined to keep you from the good life. And what I want you to see is both of those things are lies. And, and, and though the rest of the Bible proves it, we don't need the rest of the Bible because here we have proof in this one four-word command, do not fear, Abram. I want you to see that those words could only flow from a heart that is both strong and tender, both mighty and compassionate, both near and kind. Think about what Abram's facing. In a world of a thousand dangers that could attack. No, let's say it this way. In a world of a thousand dangers that often do attack. In a world of famines and cancer and killer bees and infertility and, and viruses and cheaters and loneliness and heart attacks and economic crashes and lots of wicked people that want to hurt you and hurt your children, God says to Abram, do not fear. If God were detached, He could not guarantee Abram's success and safety in a world like this. And... If he were cruel, he wouldn't want to. I want you to notice that in reality, God is both strong and tender. Do not fear. That's strong. Only strength can guarantee that. Look at verse 1 and see how he says it. Do not fear, Abram. Don't you love that? He calls him by name. God Almighty reassured this mortal man by name. Abram, I'm talking to you. Abram, I'm telling you. There is no reason for you to fear. It's interesting to me because Abram just led 318 men to chase down a dangerous alliance of kings and walked home victorious. But Abram needed to hear this. Which just reminds me that even tough guys are scared. Let's see this on another level. What we're reading is what happened between God and Abram. But I want you to think about who this was written down for. 
This, is, this story was preserved and then passed along and then recorded by Moses. Why? And this is fantastic. Moses has just led God's people out of Egypt. They have just watched God defeat the strongest army in the world at the time, casting various chariots and his army into the sea. And then he's leading them into this exact same land of promise that he promised to give Abram in Genesis 12 and Genesis 13 and is now about to promise again in Genesis 15, verse 17. But think about this. What, what is it that awaits Israel in that land that God is leading them to? On one hand, you say, well, what, what's waiting for them is, is milk and honey. That's right. But what else is waiting for them? And the Bible says giants were waiting for them. The Hittite, the Perizzite, the Rephaim, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Gergesite, and the Jebusite, all wicked and all powerful. In other words, lots of danger, lots of unknowns. Can you see why this story about Abram would be so encouraging to them? Facing all of their fears, he wants them to read this story and say, wait a minute, this isn't God's first rodeo. Wait a minute, God knows how to take care of his people. God is committed to taking care of his people, and these aren't just empty promises. He has a proven track record of taking care of his people. The nation of Israel could look at the promises to Abram and say, that's our God. And those are our promises. In fact, we are the seed that he promises in Genesis 15. And I hope you see where I'm going. Because Romans 8, or excuse me, Romans verse, verse, chapter 4, verse 18, Paul quotes Genesis 15, 5, so shall your descendants be. And he looks at the Gentile Christians and says, you are the fulfillment of that promise. Galatians chapter 3, 29 says, and I quote, and if you belong to Christ then you are Abram's descendants, heirs according to the promise. So what does God want you to do? He wants you to read this text the way the Israelites read this text when they were being led through a thousand dangers into a better country and to say, wait a minute, that's our God and He knows how to take care of His people. Our God is committed to preserving His people. And these aren't just empty promises because He has a proven track record of taking care of His people. Here's what I'm saying. that If, if, we, will, if we will read the Bible the way the apostles teach us to read the Bible, this is a very encouraging commandment for you. This is not a, a beat you over the head, I told you to stop being scared Oh, now I have another thing to repent of kind of commandment. This is an encouraging commandment. Just like the one Jesus gave you in Luke chapter 12 when he said, Do not fear, little flock, for the Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Be anxious for nothing, Philippians chapter 4. Casting all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you, 1 Peter chapter 5. Your God is committed to leading you to a better country. And he desires in the meantime for you to be set free from this crippling, painful, discouraging power of fear. Your God desires for you to serve him without fear today. 
in 2020, in the midst of the COVID-19 virus and the global crisis that it has brought on. And this becomes possible when we see that this command is tied to very generous guarantees. The idea of a cold, harsh God who doesn't care about your pain simply does not fit the command of verse 1. But I hope this gets even more clear when you see the promises that follow. Look at verse 1 again. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward will be very Great. I, I love how God reinforces the command in the first part of the verse with guarantees in the second part of the verse. And notice what God is promising Abram is himself. If you have a, a pen, I, I, I encourage you to underline the word I in verse 1 at the, in the middle because that's where the emphasis rests in this phrase. Abram, you have no reason to fear because I am a shield to you. And that word shield, we've seen it before. It is the noun form of the word in, verse, in chapter 14, verse 20, that is translated delivered. God is saying, I am not distant. I am your protector. I am your deliverer. I am for you. And if I am for you, Abram, then nobody can stand against you. That's not all. Notice that second part. Your reward shall be very great. Not just, oh, Abram, you'll be rewarded, though it would be amazing to hear God say that. Not, not your reward will be great, though that would be even better. But notice what the text says. Your reward will be very great. I hope you're getting this picture. Not only do, do God's commands come tenderly, they come authoritatively. Not only do they come authoritatively, they come generously. And the good news is that just like this command, this guarantee is also for you. Listen to Jesus, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my fan. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. John 10, verses 27 through 29. He wants you to read these words, take them to heart, and then I quote, confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me. Abram has been given an encouraging command backed up with generous guarantees, but there's even more grace here when you see how God responds to Abram's resolute reminder. If we were to just stop the sermon right here, I hope that your response would be to look at this pattern of fear that regularly emerges in your life and say, God, I am sorry for how often I am scared. God, I am sorry because my fear is driven by the fact that I doubt you. And I doubt your promises. God, you have shown yourself faithful to me. Today, I want to repent of my fear and trust in the one who keeps his promises. 
I hope that, that you have seen again just how gracious and generous God actually is. But, but the good news is that it gets even better in verses 2 and 3. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? Since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, no one born in my house is my heir. <clears throat> I'll tell you, at first, I read these commands, and I read these commands as if Abram is just heard and in this encouraging commandment followed up with guarantees by God, and Abram is responding with doubt. I don't think that's what's happening here. If, <clears throat> I, think that, I don't think I was reading it right because notice that Abram has a legitimate question. How are you going to bless me? How are you going to make my reward great when I only have a son in order for this promise to last? But it's even more reasonable when we, when we notice that this, this question is not coming out of the blue. This is not a question that originated with Abram. This, is, this promise of children originated with God. Look back at Genesis chapter 11. And I want to remind you that the first thing that the Holy Spirit tells us about Sarah in chapter 11 verse 30 is that Sarah was barren. She had no child. Now look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so you shall be a blessing. Look down to verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. Look over to chapter 13, verse 15. For all the land which you see, I will give to you and to your descendants forever. Look at verse 16. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Three times, God has directly, explicitly promised Abram children. And now, in Genesis 15, God is promising Abram an exceedingly great reward. And Abram's thinking, but what about the heir you promised me? The air that would make these promises last. So, so I don't think that at very least it's not just doubt that's driving Abram. I think that what, what is driving Abram is that Abram is clinging to the promises of God with relentless determination not to let those promises go. Don't you love the grace? And, and even if I can say the humility of God that says when I make you a promise... I give you permission to hold me to it. In Isaiah 62, the Lord goes so far as to say that he appointed watchmen in order that their job was to remind the Lord of his promises and to give him, and I'm going to quote here, to give him no rest until he keeps them. In Luke 18, you remember that Jesus told the story of a persistent widow. 
who has someone who's trying to exploit her. And so she goes to a judge. And, and Jesus says in, in his story that the judge didn't fear God and didn't fear man. But because this woman kept coming to him, here's, here's what the judge said. Even though I don't fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And Jesus says, here's the point of this parable in Luke chapter 18. Now he was telling them a parable to show them at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. That's what Jesus said. And so let's do like Abram. Let's tenaciously believe the promises of God and hold him to them until he keeps every single one. Now, I, I may come back to, to one theme um, in the future that is a massive theme in this text, but I'm completely skipping over it. But I just want to make one one quick comment. And that is that in the Old Testament law, childlessness was a sign of the curse of God. Leviticus 20, verse 20, verse 20, verse 21, Jeremiah 22, 30. And here's Abram and Sarah, childless. And I want you to imagine what that looked like from the outside. And I want you to imagine what that felt like from the inside. My guess is it felt like for lots of years, we're talking about lots of years between when the first promise is made until when that promise is kept. My guess is that Abram lots of times felt as if he was under the curse of God. I want you to notice actually he's under the blessing of God. Not only is he under the blessing of God, he is the conduit that God is going to use in order to bless all the nations. And here's my point. This, this text reminds us that we need to learn to trust the Word of God even when we can't see the working of God. Now, now back to the sermon. God gives Abram an encouraging command, generous guarantees. Abram responds with a resolute reminder, but then grace is heaped upon grace upon grace when God responds with a confident Clarification. Look at verse 2. And Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And, and Abram said, Since you've given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This man will not be your heir, but the one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Don't you love that response? If there was any doubt in Abram's questions, I want you to notice that God doesn't, God doesn't, he doesn't respond in anger, frustration toward Abram. He, he responds with might and with love, with sovereignty. And with grace. Abram, I want you to know that you know that you know who exactly you are dealing with. Abram, back in Genesis 14, verse 22, Abram, you yourself from your own lips confessed that I am the Lord God, most high possessor of heaven and earth. So Abram, I want you to lift your eyes. And I want you to look up to those heavens. 
And I want you to listen to their wisdom. Count the stars, Abram. You're having trouble counting them. Count those stars because so shall your descendants be. And just to be clear, Abram, I'm not talking about some slave that, that you bought in Damascus serving as some replacement son for you. No, I'm going to give you children from your own body. Calvin says it really, really well here. The sight of the stars was not superfluous. But God intended to strike the mind of Abram with this thought. He who by his word alone suddenly produced a host so numerous, by which he might adorn the previously vast and desolate heaven, shall not he be able to replenish my desolate house with offspring? You see what God is saying to Abram? Abram, if I can speak all of those stars into existence where there is nothing. <laughs> uh, giving you a son. No problem for me. Can I remind you that God kept this promise? You, you, you and I are here today. You are. There, there are a few of us in an empty room. You and your family are gathered around a computer screen or a phone screen this morning. Because you want to hear the word of God. You know you need the Word of God and you are longing for the Word of God and you're doing that this morning because against all odds, God, even today, is keeping this promise. Abram and Sarah had a son who had a son and his name was Israel. And God was faithful to that promise, orchestrating a billion details for 2,000 years until one day He sent an angel to meet a young Jewish girl from Nazareth. And he promised her a son. Do you remember his greeting? Let me quote it. Do not be afraid, Mary. Look, look over to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 33. Excuse me, verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Now here's my question. What does God want you to do with that? What does God want you to do with that promise today in 2020 in this crisis, along with all the other stuff you got going on in your family and in your body and in your job and in your own battle against sin? I want to show you because he tells us. Look over to Luke chapter 1, verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us and accomplished redemption for His people and has raised up for us a horn of salvation in the house of David His servant. 
as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. And we do this when we physically meet together. And so I'm going to do it now, um, even though we're not physically together. I want to give you time to pray just briefly before we come back and worship. And here's my question. What, what fears is God exposing that you need to not only repent of, but to entrust to Him? To cast upon Him because He cares for you. And just let me make this, this reminder. These promises are for the people of God. If you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. If you're not in Christ, then today is the day of salvation when you can let go of your fears and your sin. And trust in Christ who keeps every promise. Let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, the one we get to call Father is the sovereign Lord, most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Father, I pray that the reminder of your character that is both tender and sovereign. I pray, Father, that that knowledge would crush our fears. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts so that this, these fears would be turned into confident diligence and fervent prayer that clings to your promises and doesn't let them go until you keep everyone. Father in heaven, I pray that these would not be words, but that in a few minutes, whenever the adversary 
whenever our culture, whenever our, our own weak hearts try to remind ourselves of, of, of more things to be afraid of, Lord, I pray, Father, that You would work faith into those circumstances and we would look at the darkest circumstances with, with confidence that You are going to work all things together for our good to rescue Your people and exalt Your Son. Father, only you can do it. The one who spoke the stars is able to work in our hearts both the willing and the working to your good pleasure. So I pray that you would do it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the First Baptist Newton Podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website at newtonfbc.org. We'll see you next time.